You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. here last week, you'd know that I wasn't here, and it's because uh, my wife and I and some uh, leaders in the church went to Japan for a quick trip, about five days, to more or less scout out, pray how, we, how our church here, Reality Honolulu, can be involved in what God is doing in Japan. Um, for those of you guys that have been to Japan or from there, um, know that, man, it is a, a beautiful, wonderful, amazing country. I've never been before. Um, I mean, my best friend growing up with Japanese all the way through college and uh, always loved Japanese culture. And um, it was great to go and see and also just be aware of the need for Jesus, the need for Jesus to come and save and redeem and for many to come to know him. Less than 1% of the population is our believers, and there is so much work to be done. Um, there's amazing work being done. We got to meet with several pastors that are planting churches all over Japan, and just to hear about the things that God is doing and the ways he's moving, but also the hardships and the difficulty and the hardness there. And... Uh, it wasn't necessarily like we have a concrete idea of like, yeah, we're going to partner with them or start our own thing or send people, but we are open and we want to be involved with what God is doing in Japan. Um, and if you guys have been here for any amount of time, that's our heart as a church here. From the very get-go, we believe that God has placed us strategically in the middle of the ocean to reach the Pacific and uh, Asia. We believe that... Uh, God has us here to use our resources and people and time and, and finances, whatever it is, to see God's kingdom come um, in the Pacific and in Asia. And so we just feel like Japan is being highlighted to start with. Um, we have, uh, we're excited about that. We don't know exactly what that looks like, but just want to let you know that we are pursuing avenues to be involved with. So we'll let you know as that comes. But uh, anyway, good times ahead. Amen. Amen. God is on the move. Well, uh, if you were here last week, Uncle Butch right here, um, if you don't know Uncle Butch, you got to get to know him. His message was so good last week. It was. Let's give him some love. Uh, I was listening to it in Japan and simultaneously really encouraged and edified and laughing out loud at the same time. If you're here, you, you understand why. But in light of this new season and this new work that God is doing in our church since Easter, I really felt led by the Lord to somewhat actually piggyback of, off of Butch last week instead of jumping into Exodus. I was supposed to start Exodus today. We are starting Exodus next week, I promise. But really sense that God wanted us to camp out a bit more um, in this area of growth. How do, we, how do we be transformed? How are we transformed in the image of our God as believers? Whether we just got saved yesterday or we've been walking with the Lord for, for decades, how do we grow in Christ? How do we become more like him? How do we become more fruitful and effective uh, in our walks with the Lord? And thinking of growth in Christ and us as followers of Jesus continuing to be formed into his image, I want to camp out today on the Holy Spirit. Um, specifically the role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life and in the life of the church life of the church gathered. And so we're going to be um, looking at a few different scriptures. Um, a main one would be John 16, verses 7 through 15. John 16, 7 through 15, if you want to you know, open there. 
But today we're going to be talking about the church and the Holy Spirit. I'm excited for it. And so let me pray for our time together and we'll jump right in. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. God, even this week, got to get a glimpse of how you're moving in Japan and also how you're moving here in Hawaii. And God, you are, you are at work. You are God. You are the God that created all of us, and you are meant to be our God. And you are calling us unto yourself, back to how we were created to be in perfect relationship with our Father. And we thank you for the helper. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you sent, that you gave us. And God, we want to be reminded and taught and equipped how powerful and wonderful and instrumental the Holy Spirit is to be in our life and in our church and in the world. And so God, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for us. Soften our hearts to receive your word this morning. And Holy Spirit, we invite you. You are always welcome, but we ask that you would uh, come in power and in might by your grace and mercy that you would meet us, you would empower us, you would equip us, you would transform us by your power. Um, Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, slight precursor before we kind of get into it is this is not even close to an exhaustive study or teaching on the Holy Spirit. There is no way to do that in 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Um, I won't get to everything, and I'll leave lots out. My goal, what my goal, my hope, my desire today is to show us or remind us that the, what the Spirit's purpose is in our lives when it comes to our personal transformation in Christ. So what I want to do is start off pretty foundational, lay out a few points for us to soak in, pray on, and then apply. So first off, like what? Or or better, more correctly said, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We here at Reality are what you call Trinitarians. We believe that in the Trinity, we believe that God is one in essence, but exists in three distinct persons, right? We believe that God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God, And there is one God, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In God's very being, we believe that God exists in the person of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet he's one God, three distinct persons. And all of God's attributes, though, are true to all three persons, uh, for each is fully God. This is what we believe to be the Trinity from Scripture. And it's kind of laid out, Old Testament and New out. It's, it's laid out, uh, the Trinity. God is three in one. The doctrine of the Trinity is probably the hardest concept. It can be the hardest to understand. Um, and it somewhat is a mystery that we'll never truly be able to fully grasp. However, um, that doesn't mean that we should just throw it out and not understand it. We can understand some of its truth, most of its truth, by summarizing the, the doctrine of the Trinity by three statements. So the Trinity, what we believe about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Number one is that God is three persons. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. A little confusing, 
But this is the Trinity. This is the essence of our Christian faith. This is a, a very core doctrine that we believe. But it's also important to note, and we kind of get messed up with it, is the Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's a he. It's God. God in the person in the form of a spirit. Get it? Kind of? Trinity? Got it. So the Holy Spirit being God. What's amazing is that the Holy Spirit, God, in the form of spirit, is in every believer. This is, this is where, like, it, it comes very personal to us. Okay, this is God the Father and Jesus the Son. God sent his son to die on the cross. Okay, the Holy Spirit, what is it? We're going to get to that in a second. But the Holy Spirit actually dwells in the believer. We read this in, you know, one, one place we read it is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What it says here is that the moment that we are saved, that we're born again, that we give our life to the Lord, that we surrender, however you want to kind of say it, that God gives us his Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is, is given to us guaranteeing, guaranteeing our inheritance as a sign that we are his, that we are saved, that we are born again. And the Holy Spirit is God's promise lived out that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Right? We've heard that. We've seen it. Oh, God, God's never far from us. He's always with us. Right? He told us he'll never leave us or forsake us. That is lived out because he's given us himself. Whether we feel like it or not, that God is near to us. Not only is God near to us, God is in us that we are now temples or the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. God is never far because God is in us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. By the power of his Spirit, he gives us his Spirit. He gives us himself in us to live. So the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, through Jesus the Son, gives us the Spirit. It gives us, as we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's good. Feels good. This is awesome. But what is the Holy Spirit's purpose? Or what does the Holy Spirit do in and through us? The overarching truth, if you're going to walk away with one thing, is this. The Holy Spirit glorifies God. What is the Holy Spirit's purpose in us, in the world, in the church? What's the Holy Spirit supposed to do? Give glory to God. And everything should be measured by that. We're going to get to it in a bit, but when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, and when someone says, that's the Spirit of God, or that's the Holy Spirit at work, or the Holy Spirit led you to do that, which all those things are true and, and, and should be said and happening and being prayed over in the church. But a good test to say, well, is that the Spirit? Is Does that action or that gift or that motivation or the decision, does that glorify God or the person? Does that give attention to God and his glory or the person? That's always the best test of whether, whether the Spirit's at work or not is, is that 
The, the Holy Spirit always glorifies God. A place I like to start that I want us to kind of, you know, if you're taking notes, write down the Holy Spirit glorifies God and write down John 16, 7 through 15. We're gonna, I'm gonna, I am have it on the PowerPoint. You can read it if you have it. This is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking of the Holy Spirit in, in conjunction with believers. He says, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Remember, this is Jesus telling the disciples, it's better that I leave you. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. What does the spirit of God do? Verse 14. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he makes of mine and will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit's purpose is always working to make humanity glorify God. It's the Holy Spirit's purpose. And there's so much I could say of this, but there's three main points I want to work with for the purpose of today. These are the three main things that the Holy Spirit does with the, with the overarching theme of that the Holy Spirit glorifies God. Number one, the Holy Spirit transforms. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers. Number three, the Holy Spirit ministers. Okay, we're gonna get into that. So the, the Holy Spirit transforms the believer. This is a huge part of what the Spirit of God dwelling in us does. And first, like Jesus just said he would, he first starts with convicting us of sin and unrighteousness. This is the thing that happened when any of us uh, came to know the Lord the first time. Like when, when, you know, your testimony, your time that you got saved, the time that you became a Christian, what happened was, is that you were confronted with the truth of the gospel, whether it was a friend or a sermon, or a podcast, or you kind of grew up in it, what happened was that we were confronted with the truth of the gospel, and the Holy Spirit is the one that actually lovingly convicted us that we were sinners in need of a Savior. And the Holy Spirit is the one that ultimately prompted us to surrender and to be saved. That, that was at conversion. It was the Holy Spirit through the truth of God's word that did that in all of our lives. It was the Holy Spirit's work in us. But also, the Holy Spirit also does this daily, or let's be honest, hourly, or maybe minute by minute. He, he convicts us. He shows us where we, where we uh, are in error, are wandering, are in rebellion. And, and if you have been a believer if you, for any time, you become more aware of the Holy Spirit's prompting in our life to, to righteousness. And it's lovingly. It's, it's the Father's loving prompting by the Spirit of God in us. 
It's the Holy Spirit that prompts the work of process of becoming like Jesus in our life. It's the Holy Spirit works in us uh, to convict us of drifting and rebellion. And the Holy Spirit is the one that causes the growth and the change in us to become more like Jesus. And all that uh, Uncle Butch brought up last week, if you're here, there's an acronym. It was GROWS. It was going to God in prayer. It was reading the word, obedience to God, worship, and service. And all of those things last week lends and allows this growth. It puts us in a place of growth. And when we do those things, we're actually working in conjunction with the Holy Spirit to grow and be transformed into God's image. When we read his word, when we pray, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we surrender, when we're still before him, when, we, when we're available, when we're willing to be changed, that's when the Holy Spirit can go, I can work with that. And in conjunction in the Holy Spirit, we work out this growth. Because the thing is that God won't force it. God won't force you to change into his image. God won't force you to lay down that sin. But prayer and reading the word and obedience, what it does is it refixes our eyes. It keeps our hearts surrendered. It helps us not to wander. But God is the one actually doing the work through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where the change happens. So as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, as disciples, we should be praying that the Holy Spirit continues to change us. Like we need to be actively praying that prayer. Continue, I, I want to die to myself and follow Christ. Like that should be something that we, that we pray and ask God for help for. See, you would call this, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Someone that has the Holy Spirit in them, and you're actually allowing the Holy Spirit to work. Right? You, you want to live for Christ. You, you are actively trying to repent of sin. Um, you're trying not to live for yourself. You really want to honor God with your life. Right? You really want to live into the way that you're designed. You, you may not do it all the time, may not feel like it all the time, but, but, but you want to. You want to follow Jesus. You're attempting to follow him. What happens is, is if, you're do, if, if, you, if you're doing these things, your life begins to bear fruit outwardly. Like, your life begins to change. It begins to show the Spirit's work in us. Literally, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. The, the, what the Spirit looks like at work in you is shown outwardly in our actions, in our reactions, in our attitude, in our thought life, things that we do and things that we don't do. We begin to change. Galatians 5, 16 through 24 compares the fruit or the, um, what you get from living in the flesh compared to the fruit or what you get from living in the spirit. Galatians 5, 16 through 24 says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets, it, sets itself against the spirit 
and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. This is the fruit of the flesh, living for yourself, living sinful life. Which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit in a believer's life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is why, like after getting saved, maybe, maybe it takes a while, you might see someone you once knew, right? Someone, someone got saved. You didn't know about it but you knew them before. They got saved. You haven't seen them in years. And they were, when you knew them, insanely angry. Like, like could not, out of control, angry really quickly. But now they're living very peacefully. This is a work of the Spirit in their life. I don't know if it happens like all the time when I, I, I knew someone in high school and I, I, I knew all about them. And I haven't seen them in 10, 15 years, and all of a sudden I see them, and I'm like, you're not, you're not the same guy. You're not the same girl. I, oh, I, oh, I got saved. Oh, I've been walking with the Lord. Oh, the Spirit of God's in me. I'm like, wow, this is a transformation. You may, it may even be your own story, that you were super mean. You're always judgmental, maybe always critical, always glass half empty, and now all of a sudden you're crazy loving. <laughs> you're just full of love, full of joy. It's the Spirit of God at work in you. Maybe, maybe you knew someone that always just kept a grudge, just would never let it go when they got hurt. Now, they easily forgive. That's the Spirit of God at work. That is the fruit of the Spirit in a believer's life. Maybe you're some of your stories where you were addicted to, you name it, and now you're walking clean and sober and in freedom. It's not you. It's the Spirit of God in you, transforming you into God's image by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the result of God's powerful transformation at work in a believer. And this can and is for all of us Christians. Of course, our stories and journeys are different. And our change happens at a very different speed sometimes. We're all, we're all works in progress. It doesn't mean that the moment you get saved that all of a sudden everything's different. You don't mess up. You don't sin. You don't struggle. That's not even in the Bible. Sanctification, becoming like Jesus, is a process that when we meet Jesus face to face, then it'll be done. But until then, we're works in progress. We mess up. We all have speed bumps. We all have setbacks. But that doesn't change the fact that God is in each of us that believe to will and work for our good pleasure. God is able to heal 
and restore and set free and redeem and change and sanctify any and every part of us. This is the spirit of God's work. This is his, his purpose, to glorify God with our own life. It's the greatest way that God can be glorified, is transformative nature in each of us. When we, become to, when we come to surrender our own ways, and we give our life to the Lord, and we say, God, I want to be like you. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I don't want to be selfish and get... I want to decrease so that you would increase. This is the Spirit's transformative work in the believer that is, that is for all of us. Secondly, shorter points, but the Holy Spirit empowers the believer. Not only does the Holy Spirit transform the believer, change us, but the Holy Spirit empowers the believer. See, God's strength to live for him comes from the Spirit of God. See, we're not left to all of a sudden, right? Oh, I believe in Jesus. I'm saved. I'm born again. We aren't left to all of a sudden become strong, self-sufficient. Like, yep, we're just good people now because we believe in Jesus. We just got to try harder and be better and be more religious. No, no, quite the opposite. What God desires is actually our personal surrender, to say, I can't do it. Apart from you, Christ, I can't do anything. It's actually where, when our life in Christ starts is when our life actually goes to die. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. You need to stop living for yourself. Stop being strong. Stop being, stop being like this independent, pull your bootstraps up, you can do it on your own. And for a lot of us, we just grew up because we had to. We, we had to do that. So in, in our nature, in, in other areas of life, it maybe is, is a strength, right? You're independent and you're a go-getter and nothing gets you down, but it, it kind of messes up your relationship with Jesus. I grew up single, single, single parent. My mom worked two jobs, like kind of like had to fend, like you just, you just got to do it. Like just, you just, you just got to deal with it. When it comes to my relationship with Jesus, that doesn't, that doesn't work well because all of a sudden... I'm not dependent on the Lord. All of a sudden, I just go through the days like, I can do it. We can do this. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to go, no, no, I can't. Ryan can't. I'm not, I'm not made to. I'm not able to. And I shouldn't do it on my own strength. I'm not meant to. And you'll burn out and you'll come disillusioned and, dude, you'll do things in the flesh. Take it from experience. John 15, 16 and 17, Jesus continues to speak about the Holy Spirit, and he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper that will be with you forever. That helper is the spirit of truth. However, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you everything. He'll remind you of everything that I have ever told you. By nature, a part of the Holy Spirit is to be our helper, like to come alongside and to teach us and to give us the words to speak and remind us of the truths of the gospel. We need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He's our paraclete. He's the one that would come alongside us in our walks. A main way 
that God does this is, through the Holy Spirit is he gives us strength to withstand sin. Through the power of the Spirit, he actually gives us the strength when we're tempted to say no. It actually says that he gives us a way of escape that we can take if we ask him to give us the strength to obey and to deny sin by the power of the Spirit, we don't have to give in. We don't have to be instruments of unrighteousness. No, we've been bought, we've been saved, we've been redeemed, and now we can use our instruments for righteousness' sake by the power of the gospel, by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is to be our helper. The Holy Spirit is actually meant to lead us as well to give us wisdom, to give us leading, to give us understanding of, of decisions and ways in which we should go and words we should speak to people. The Spirit of God is meant to lead us. We're not supposed to rely upon our own understanding. We're supposed to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to give us power in our lives. Again, we are not supposed to do life without the power of God. We can't, we aren't able to, and we aren't meant to. And, and if I'm honest, there is not a day that goes on that I don't ask for the Holy Spirit's power and strength. And I'm not saying that in like a, wow, he's always asking for the Spirit of God. No, no, I'm always desperate for the Spirit of God. Because I'm aware that I'm, I'm weak, I'm tired, I am no superhero. And uh, if I can give you a little insight into the life of a pastor, don't mistake pastors for not needing this as much. The truth is we need it more. God's just called us into it. If we, if we tell you anything else, it's a lie. We need the Spirit of God. Can't do this on our own, should it? More aware of our sin and our weakness and our frailties than ever before. But I'm glad. I'm thankful for it. I, don't, I obviously don't like being weak and tired and in need, but it's good for me, and it's right, and it's where I'm supposed to be, dependent upon Christ, saying, God, I can't do this without you. I can't. I don't have the words to speak. I don't have the wisdom there. I don't know what decision to make. I don't know what to do. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, speak to me. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be and should be depended upon daily to give us the power to live for and glorify God. Amen? It's for all of us. It's for all of us. The last point is the Holy Spirit ministers through the believer. See, not only is God glorified when we become more like him and when we rely on him rather than ourselves, but God is glorified in the church and in the world when believers are filled and operating in the Spirit. And we, as the church, individually or corporately are filled with the Spirit of God. And being used by the Spirit of God, God can get much glory in the church and in the world. We see this primarily in the gifts of the Spirit. Again, this could be about a 10, maybe 15 part series. But we, we see these, you should take notes. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians chapter 4. We see them primarily laid out in those chapters, in, in verses in those chapters. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the purpose 
again, this is important, the gifts of the Spirit are for the purpose to glorify God and to edify or build up the church. Nothing else. It's not for our own entertainment. It's not for our own show. It's not to seem like we're spiritual, to show off. The gifts of the Spirit is to, are to glorify God and to build up the church. When, when that isn't the case, that's where things go wacky. You may have had really bad experience or be really turned off in another church. Um, and I'm sorry for that. Unfortunately, it, it, it happens a lot. But here's what I believe and what reality stance is. We believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. They're, they're for today. That God gives at least one gift, most likely a few, to each believer, and they're wonderful, and they're amazing, and they're powerful to glorify God in the church and in the world. The biggest thing is, though, to operate in the gifts inside the parameters and intentions of Scripture. It's both. Read the Bible, but operate in the Holy Spirit. Read the Bible. Tell them what the gifts are for, how they're supposed to be used, but then be filled with the Spirit and be used with the gifts of the Spirit. Go get them. Go for it. But do it in the way that God intended them to be. Again, I don't know where you guys are at. Some of you guys are super charismatic. Some of you guys don't agree with what I just said. But here's the deal. In this church, like in this church, there's crazy gifts. So many of you, I've told you already, but whatever, you maybe didn't believe me. You're like prophetic, absolutely gift of prophecy. Like you've spoken and you're like, yep, that's exactly what God's going to do. Again, test it and do what you want, but you're prophetic. So many of you guys have the gift of encouragement. You guys, you guys know, this is such a rich, vibrant community, and you guys are always like encouraging one another and uplifting and seeing the good and, 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 and billowing it in people's lives. So encouraging. Uh, you can't have a, a mobile church that meets in a cafeteria and then actually works every week without the gift of administration and service. Can't have it. You guys are killing it. So many of you guys are such heartfelt servants uh, or, or administrators. Those are gifts of the Spirit. Those are gifts from God. They may not be the same. They're just as important. Man, I, I've, I've seen every one of the gifts in a million different ways. In this church, in other churches around the world. I've seen people get healed, like miraculously. Arms that didn't move, couldn't raise for years, they raised backs, couldn't bend over, raised up in the Philippines and Costa Rica, all over. Once it was in Thailand, like I could tell stories for a long time, um, but I don't know if this is some sort of like gift of tongues or gift of interpretation or I'm not even sure what it was, but we were, uh, the orphanage that we support in Thailand, this one time, um, I was hanging out with the kids, and there was this girl about my daughter's age, about five, six years old, and there's a situation where this kind of estranged uncle came into the orphanage, and he was trying to take this girl, and arguing with the, um, with the heads of the orphanage, and this is a really tense situation. This girl's really scared, and I don't speak any Thai, but I just comforted her, and I just began to speak over her, like, it's going to be okay, and this is going to pass, and you don't have to be worried, and I'm speaking in English. 
But I could see that the whole time she's nodding her head and looking at me and understanding. I'm like, oh, she's just being comforted. But then after, I asked the leaders of the orphanage, hey, what happened? She's like, she heard every single word that you said to a T, even down to the detail. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. That's not, I didn't, know. But again, I believe that in that moment, it was the Holy Spirit at work by the gifts of the Spirit to give God glory. And again, it could go on and on and on. Every single of the gifts that is in the Bible, I've seen it. I've seen the gifts at work. And, and when, when they've been done right, it gives God so much glory. And you may not know your gifts, and you may be really weirded out by all that. Maybe not. Maybe you know your gifts. But, I, you know, I, I've seen the tests of, like, how to figure out your gifts. Um, I, don't, I don't suggest finding your gifts out that way. I'm not saying it's, like, entirely bad. I don't want to totally dog on it. But this is what I suggest. I think it's better. I suggest serving others. And while you're serving others, those others, the community around us or yourself, you'll discover what your gifts are as you serve the Lord and as you serve others and as you serve in the church and as you serve your neighbors, the gifts that God has given you will become apparent by yourself and others. And uh, again, this could all be a sermon series and I wish I could spend more time on it. But again, the Holy Spirit not only transforms, not only empowers, but he uses us to minister to the world around us, primarily done through the gifts. But also, we see this like so beautifully and powerfully displayed in the book of Acts. If you've never read the book of Acts, this is a perfect time. If you haven't read it in a long time, read the book of Acts after a Holy Spirit sermon. You'll be like, oh my gosh. Because what happened was, is Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's like, Jesus has promised it, but the Holy Spirit like isn't in believers yet. And then there's that upper room, prayer room, Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit falls upon the church, and he actually fills believers for the first time. And these believers are like knuckleheads. Like, I mean, honestly, who's heading this up is Peter. And Peter is just, just denied Christ like left Christ, I mean, this, this is not, he doesn't have a good track record. He's not equipped for this. He didn't go to seminary. He doesn't have a good track record. But the Spirit of God falls on Peter. And these guys are changed. Like Peter, Peter that just denied Christ, gets up like on the balcony in the upper room and he preaches his guts out. This fisherman from Galilee preaches his guts out. And 3,000 people come to the Lord in that sermon, and there's 17 different languages that heard his voice. He didn't speak 17 different languages, but 17 different languages were gathered there, and 3,000 came to know the Lord in a moment. Was it Peter? No. Was it the Spirit of God in Peter? Yes. This is just the start. Over the whole book of Acts, the early church, the blueprint we have for the church is that almost every time that the church went anywhere or sent anyone out, they would lay hands and they would pray for the Spirit of God to give them power to minister. What happened every time? They were incredibly used by God to see God's kingdom go forth into like the whole world. Miraculously. I mean, healings and people getting saved. And this was an unqualified, ragtag group of people, but they were 
empowered by the Spirit to minister. This is what the Spirit of God does. And the same is true for our contexts. The Spirit of God desires to use us to minister in our community, our church, and the world around us by glorifying God through us. This isn't just a, you know, a Bible thing or a, if you're in ministry or only in the church. God is with you. He's given his spirit in you to transform you, empower you, and use you for his glory. There is no question why God can't anoint you and give you the words to speak and give you the boldness just like he did Peter. He may do it real differently. I don't know if he's going to have you get on a balcony and 3,000 people are going to get saved downtown or something. Try it. 100%. Go for it. Nothing to lose. But God desires the same of us, and he desires and wants to use us. That's what he does for the whole world to come to know him. Who does he use? He uses believers through the power of the Holy Spirit. Talking about Japan, how, how, how's 99 point whatever, how, how are all those people going to know Jesus? By Christians, by the power of the Spirit, walking out boldly, going for it. Like telling people about Jesus, being transformed into his image. How's that going to happen here on, on Oahu, in Hawaii? How's that going to happen at your job with our neighbors? It's the Spirit of God in each of us. The power of God in us is going to do it. Not us, but we're the vessels. But we're who God chooses. And uh, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to leave us. I'm going to leave us with one thing. The takeaway from today is we need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need more of the Holy Spirit in our church. We need His Spirit to transform us, empower us, and use us to minister. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you that you don't leave us alone. You don't leave us hanging, but you give us a helper. And Holy Spirit, we want more of you in our lives. We want a fresh filling. God, we want to be empowered. We want to be transformed. We want to be used by you so that others would come to know the truth that we know, the God that we know the goodness that we live out and that we hold on to. So God, we, we pray for each of us. This is our, this is our personal prayer. This is our uh, prayer for our church, prayer for each of us. We don't want to live for ourselves anymore. We, we don't want to die to ourselves. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And we don't just want to say that. Holy Spirit, Help us to live that out. Help us to be spirit-filled, spirit-empowered Christians. Free us from the trap of trying to do anything on our own strength. Help those of us that have been Christians for a while get out of complacency. Like jump out of the routine. I grew up in the church. I know how to do it. Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, that's what I believe. Would you just break us out of that, that costly routine that's, that's not from you? We want to be available to be used by the Spirit of God in our lives.
So God, not only would we pray for transformation and empowerment, but we pray that you'd use us for your glory. And we worship you now because you're worthy of it. Pray you seal this work.